Jen Gwinnup. Hello. Welcome to the share chair. That's cool. Or are we going with Mrs. Gwinnup or Jen Gwinnup or what's Jen Gwinnup is good. I feel like Mrs. Gwinnup is my mother-in-law. <laughs> is your mother-in-law, yeah. But a lot of whom people call me love. Mrs. Whom I really like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you are art teacher uh, extraordinaire yeah, here at the high school. Yeah. Um, More like therapist for all students around. Oh, I think well naturally the art room becomes that. I think yeah. number one, you have to let people be comfortable for them to create, honestly. And if they're not comfortable, then you just get dishonest mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. But working in a studio where you can work and talk, it just allows for me to be able to you know, be the therapist sometimes or just mm -hmm. get to know students more. What is that Created, so you're being nice by saying, and and maybe it's maybe it's true that the subject allows for it. But even if the subject allows for it, the the person controlling the room does too. So what what's your? Can you go? I guess another level on what's yeah. your mentality about having an open space like that? I think I'm just uh, willing to share. Like as a person, I kind of see us all as people, uh, and I don't see myself in like. A, authoritative role. I feel like I'm more of a facilitator. And um, I think it comes across as nice, because you said nice, but I think really, I, I think early on in life, like my 20s were turbulent in a lot of ways. I had like health things going on and family things going on. And I think it groomed me for this job ultimately, really, because I have a lot of like soft spots for you know, people who might have health issues or if, you know, something tragic happened to them or I don't know. So I, I, I think if I had a gift, it would be that I just empathize with people. Like, I really feel like I can appreciate what you're going through. And maybe sometimes I feel a little bit nervous that in this environment, it gets interpreted as being nice or being a pushover. Um, or maybe that, oh, Mrs. Gwinnup's kind of loosey-goosey the way she runs things and she's too, too nice. Mm -hmm. But it's not really that. Like, the root of it isn't that I'm just nice, I think. Yeah, where, where is that uh, concern come from? I mean, what, what's, where, why are you worried about that? I feel like I, the rules in a high school, I, I push them a lot. You know, like I feel like there, there's a cell phone policy, and I know that there's a cell phone policy, but if a student is having a rough day and they want to reach out to their mom, I let them do that. Or I feel like, um, you know, you're, you feel really insecure because your clothes got dirty in gym or you're outside for science and you need to go to your car to get a new pair of pants, you know? It's yeah. like... I know there's a rule where you're not really supposed to be doing that and you shouldn't be leaving class all the time, but I feel nervous that I'm going to get in trouble a lot because I, yeah. I, I kind of let people do things that they're probably not supposed to do. I don't see it as a big deal, but I'm sure in a handbook somewhere it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Have anyone growing up like that for you? Is, did anyone impress upon that same feeling that you have students feel around you? I did have an eighth grade teacher, Mr. Bourdon, that was outstanding. And he never had children of his own, and he and his wife were both teachers, and so they just poured everything into their teaching. And he was the guy that took us to Washington, D.C., and took us to camps. And 
um, just did things that other teachers weren't doing. You know, like there might be an extra credit, uh, extra credit question, <laughs> <laughs> extra credit question on a test, and the answer was like Michigan cherries. So while the test was going on, he was running around giving out little cups of like oh. cherries. Like here's a, you know, and I I loved it. If the room was cold, we had overhead projectors. Then he would draw a picture of like a fire and projected on the overhead, you know, just like went the extra mile to make it fun. Into some turbulent time in your 20s that groomed you for for the present. Um, I don't know all of them, but I know that your mother passed when you were young. I was 21, and I was in college. I was studying abroad, and so I had just gotten to London, and like three days later, my uncle showed up on my doorstep, and my uncle traveled for work. So it wasn't a big thing for him to be in a different country. Oh, hey. And then uh, we met for breakfast the next day, and he took me back to my flat and told me, your mom died, we have to go home. So that happened. And then in a was few... Was this a surprise? Yeah, she, she was... Been? No, not sick at all. Like, my mom was like 5'2", 110 pounds, wet, <laughs> and she was healthy. I think she had like an, ar an arrhythmia of her heart, like maybe an irregular heartbeat and just was gone. And it was just, she was the glue. Like she was the, she was a teacher. She was like the one that ran us everywhere, that paid all the bills at our house, that kept everything together because my dad was working all the time. So that was a hit. like, my dad is like workaholic, you know, eats too much. It does everything in excess, you know, eats, drinks, everything. And so I thought, my dad will go first, for sure. And so it was like the bottom fell out when that happened. Your sister's still at home when your mom passed away when you were in college. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was another complexity, because I'm the oldest of four girls. Mm -hmm. And so I had to put my mom hat on and be the mom. And that was like the one thing in marriage counseling that came up for Steve and I was uh, the fact that every weekend in college I was going home. And I just wanted to spend all my free time there to kind of fill in the gaps. I mean, if there was a prom or there was a musical or there was a game, I really felt like I had to be there. Mm -hmm. So, which is now interesting now that I'm an adult and I want to be friends with my sisters, I still feel a little bit like nudged out by the mom role sometimes. Uh -huh. So that you feel that, that role for them. Yeah, I think maybe they think I'm a little bit more um, judgmental might not be the right word, but like that I'm more of a mom than a sister sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like they're f maybe closer friends than, uh -huh. and I'm a little bit of the mom. You take care of your uncle. Yes. So, the, so this mothering role, mm -hmm. I mean, you have three children. Right. But, but you also care for your uncle. Right. Who is Down syndrome. Right, yep. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So do, would you mind, like, talking about how that kind of happened or how yep. that uh, sure. transpired and maybe... So David is my mom's brother. So, and there, there were only two children in their family, my mom and David. So when my mom passed away, he didn't have any siblings anymore. And then my grandpa had passed away previously, so he had his mother left. And his mom was my grandma, is my grandma. She uh, and I, she was like that special grandparent. You know, sometimes you connect with like a certain grandparent, and she was mine. She taught me to cook. You know, she was just... I just loved her. She was like somebody that taught me a lot about life. I just, you know, you just have those people, I think, in your life. So she was a very special person to me. And I promised her on her deathbed, literally, I will take care of him. Because she was holding on and holding on. And she was um, 
diabetic, and so it was mostly complications from diabetes that she died from. But um, I just had told her, like, I'm going to figure it out. Like, he will live with me, or I will find a great place for him to live. Because he lived with his parents his whole life, which was really rare 50 years ago. A lot of those kids that were born with Down syndrome went right into homes. They really dedicated their lives to him. So it was a big deal for her to not die knowing that she was leaving and it was a burden to her like especially yeah. because my mom had died and that was like that's the plan David's gonna go live with you I was the only one old enough to take that on my sisters were in college at so that how time how old are you at this time when your grandma passed well, this was You're... pre-kids okay so we hadn't we were Steve and I were married but we hadn't had kids yet mm-hmm. so and then David joined David your moved family. in moved in yeah so we had two we had like a two-bedroom duplex and we were in one bedroom and David was in the other and yeah he's lived with us for probably 11 years now between the mother role for your sisters yeah and the mother role for David and the mother role for your own children how do you take care of yourself that's something I'm working on I think (laughs) it's hard to do that I found I mean and even in the last couple years like I need to create like myself I have to create to feel like fulfilled so I have to find time for that but I'm not very good at it that's the last thing on the list so what do you say you're not good at it you're good at creating you're not good at making time right carving out time for myself is not my strength so if you ever do get time for yourself when is that like what's an example of one of the random moments when you get to create at night probably when everybody else is in bed but then I'm kind of tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to do. I think that's and a trend for yeah. moms. Yeah. Like my mom has for that sure. trouble too. I've like heard true. that a lot. And people don't talk about it. I think you're supposed to be like super mom all the time mm-hmm. and you're supposed to have it all together. But it's hard. It's, it's physically and emotionally exhausting. So there's Mallory, Brett, and Aaron. Marin. Marin. Yeah. Mallory's the oldest, then it's Brett, and then Marin. Yep. So cute. Uh, can you just talk about them, maybe? Oh, sure. <laughs> Mallory is, um, of all people that I know, she's taught me the most about life. Like, she was born premature. So, I mean, going back to the faith thing, like, uh, if I ever had to get on my knees and, like, pray for something, that was it. And I did. I mean, I she was one pound, seven ounces. Mm-hmm. And so it was three months of literally not knowing, and Dave knows what that's like. Um whether they're going to live the next hour mm-hmm. and it's it's terrifying um but my faith grew during that time and she's so she's such a miracle like I've not experienced many miracles but her living and being like healthy is a miracle like mm-hmm. that's so I get chills just thinking about it yeah, um she's amazing and um and she's an old soul, so she still continues to teach me stuff. She started having um, absence seizures like a year ago. And um, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. And we had to put her on medication and, you know, this whole, you know, navigating something medical with your child. And But last summer, we're camping and we're walking through the dark back to the camper one night. And she goes, you know, in the big picture, having seizures isn't so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> Wow, you teach me so many yeah. things. Yeah, it's incredible. So, um, and Brett is, he teaches me about boys because I had all sisters mm-hmm. and then a daughter. And so I watch him a lot and I'm like, <laughs> is that normal? Yeah. Is that normal? So I tell Steve a lot. 
Tell me that's normal. <laughs> a lot of just like rough play, jumping off of stuff, very athletic, fun, very bright. He loves math. So he's almost everything, you know, that Mallory's not. They, yeah. It's amazing that they can have the same parents and be mm -hmm. totally different. Mm -hmm. And Marin is uh, fun. Like even when she's four or five years old, she's just fun to hang out with. She's funny and can carry on a conversation. And uh, she might be the one that sneaks out of the house mm -hmm. and, you know, <laughs> thinks everything's so fun. Um, if you could give anyone any advice, that was a really broad conversation. I could go mother, I could go caretaker, teacher, Coach, if you had any advice for anyone, what would it be? I might have to go back to my dad's words of wisdom that were find something that you love to do and then find a way to make money doing it. I really think people need to do what they love or else they're going to feel that itch or that unsettled feeling. So I think you just have to do what you love. Awesome. Thanks, okay, Jen, so for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Share Chair. Stay tuned next week for a new episode.